Welcome back, babes. This is part two of the Twin Peaks episode with my sister, Amy. She's here to join us. If you have not listened to part one, please go back and listen to part one or else you're going to be very confused and lost. So um, in part one, we discussed kind of like the horror gnaw elements of Twin Peaks. And to catch y'all up, we don't know. (laughs) It's still a gray area, just like the show is we don't know what the hell's happening in the show we don't know what the hell is happening in real life you know what is real life and what is fake i think this is all the point if david lynch could hear us right now he'd just be maniacally laughing it's fine but yeah so in this particular episode we're gonna get into this reboot situation or remake um that happened 25 years after um laura palmer said so ominously said to dale cooper see you in 25 years so where we left off uh, is, is you think that Dale Cooper got out of the lodge, but what turns out is that he's possessed by Bob and it's like his doppelganger or something and he's like doomed to roam the lodge for a while or something. I think that's what we're like meant to believe. Yeah. But so the, so the end of the second season is the, is the one where he, um, they think that they've gotten him back, the whole like sheriff department and everything. And they wake him up and he's like, I'm going to go brush my teeth. And audience members are like, okay. And he goes, he goes into, um, good hygiene. Great. Um, he goes into the bathroom and he just squirts the entire like toothpaste tube into the sink and looks in the mirror and is, he's, like, maniacally laughing or something. And, and then at some point, he, like, hits his head against the mirror. And there's, you know, there's, like, blood everywhere. And then he, like, pulls away and we see Bob. So we're, like, yeah, uh-oh. And the uh, ominous question of, uh, what is it, how's Annie? Which was, like, the yeah. woman he was dating that won yes. the uh, pageant and got taken into the Black Lodge. And he's just, like, maniacally laughing and saying yes. that. <laughs> And that's kind of the moment so, where we yeah. realize he's evil now. <laughs> yeah. And it leaves us thinking, did Annie suffer the same fate as Laura Palmer? Yeah. And what's funny is the the whole reason that Annie even exists in the show, um, and I learned this, I learned this like last night, is that so Kyle McLaughlin had a huge hand in kind of like what happened plot wise in Twin Peaks. Him and David Lynch are like two peas in a pod, like buddies. And so he would often talk to David Lynch about, like, what's going on. And when David Lynch was kind of like, well, I kind of do want, like, you and Audrey to have, like, your moment, yeah. like, get together. And Kyle McLaughlin was like, absolutely not. Yeah. I don't want that to happen. Like, I don't think that would send, like, the best the message that you're wanting to send. Like, I don't think that would be, like, in Cooper's um, realm of what he would ever even want to do. Like, he's made it very clear that he – is a little bit damaged in the in the love department um, because he couldn't save this one. I forget her name, um, but he he felt like a failure with the last woman that he loved, and she ended up getting killed, I believe. And so now he's a little damaged, uh, rightfully so. I would be pretty fucked up from that too. Yeah, but that's the whole reason why Annie even exists is because David Lynch wanted to give Cooper a love interest, and he wanted wanted it to be Audrey and. 
Kyle McLaughlin was like, no. Yeah, honestly, <laughs> love it. Like, nice. Yeah. Makes sense because the whole point of, like, Cooper, like, the real Cooper is that he's morally upstanding. Yeah. Yeah, and he even, like, goes at Audrey when she's flirting with him and stuff and is like, listen, we can be friends. You're a teenager. <laughs> and I think yeah. that yeah, um, contributes to, like, it being so awful that he turned evil because you're like, wait, he was so morally upstanding. So, yeah, it makes sense for his character. Exactly. Yeah, because the men in this series really live in that good-bad binary. Like, you can put them in very black-and-white categories. Definitely. You've got, like, the good gu- the good guys are, like, Cooper, Hawk, Andy, um, even though Lucy's always mad at him, but we don't really understand why. Um, yeah. <laughs> you've got, um, who else is a, who else is a good guy? Are, so, am like, I missing any I'm of trying them? to think of, like, the teenagers, I mean, the teenager, the teenage boys are all a little bit just teenage on like the boys. bad binary. Yeah, yeah, I feel like Bobby Briggs. We don't know. Well, his father's a good guy, uh, Sergeant Briggs or whatever. Oh, yeah. Sergeant Briggs. Yeah, he's a good guy. Yeah, um, but yeah, James was just lame. Everyone hates James. So lame, <laughs> so lame. I'm just like caught yelling at the TV, like "Shut the fuck up, yeah. bro." Yeah, he's just uh, he's lame. Right. Um, <laughs> but yeah, back Just on, like always yeah. crying. But yeah, I guess back on track. We have an evil Cooper now. We do. We have an evil Cooper now, and we're twenty five years into the future, yeah. and we we kind of open with this guy who is supposed to watch this box. I think it's in New York City. He's supposed to watch like this box. Thing, and he's like in this dark warehouse I'm assuming he's like in Red Hook Brooklyn or some shit <laughs> where all the warehouses are and um, he's like right by the Ikea um, but he's like having to watch this this box and he's got kind of like a love interest like she's always bringing him coffee and she just wants to like hang out with him and he's always like no 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 you can't you can't I'm like I'm working and she's like come on let's just like have sex in this warehouse be really hot and so they kind of like eventually they kind of like start to make out and as they're like kind of fooling around like this thing shows up in the box and just completely obliterates them like just you see just like blood you don't really even see the thing that much and their heads are just gone like they're dead which is a really cool opening such a wild opening like i just remember being like what am i in for (laughs) Yeah, and we kind of get this idea of, like, oh, David Lynch has access to CGI now. Right. Like, better CGI. Yeah. So we're just like, oh, shit. We're, like, we're in for it. And I feel like... We don't know what. This is, like, the return is David Lynch just kind of doing whatever he wants. Like, there were pretty much... I don't think there was any expectations for this, like, from anybody. (laughs) Maybe not even Mm -hmm. David Lynch himself. He just did yeah. whatever he wanted. Yeah. yeah. It, it it follows even less rules than the originals did. Oh, like it's... the movie and the... Yeah. Off the walls. There's follows no rules. so much going on. And I do, like, tying it back to horror, I feel like he, it, he used so much more horror in The Return. Like, that opening scene. Cut and yep. dry. Horror. They were having sex and they got killed. <laughs> yep. Yeah, it's the it's the typical um it's it's like one of the like top typical horror tropes is like you you become quote unquote impure and you die. Yeah. Or like you're in a vulnerable position and you die. Right? And he opened with that, so there we go. 
Yeah, he said, he said, y'all thought I was done? Y'all thought. Y'all thought. <laughs> Seriously. And then so we've got, so we've got Cooper in, so this is kind of what I don't understand. Like, I get the doppelganger thing. I get that Cooper is not Cooper. But what the hell is up with, and maybe we don't even have an answer to this, but what the hell is up with him being that, like, long-haired, like, gross, tan-looking man? <laughs> right. Um, he, he looks so bad. Yeah. He looks so bad in that. Yeah. I'm like, it's so funny to try to get Kyle McLaughlin to not look clean cut. Right. Like, they really tried. And I, I guess that was just their attempt at it, and he really did look kind of silly, didn't he? But, yeah, I guess trying to distinguish yeah. him from what he normally looks like and... It kind of it kind of reminded me, and this is going to be a shout out to our mother. It kind of reminded me of Do you remember like when Donny Osmond tried to wear like a bunch of leather and went um, and decided to like not go by the name like Donny Osmond or like he was trying to reinvent himself? Gross, yeah. There, awful. Yeah, there's like <laughs> <laughs> shout out to mom if you're listening. Um, there was like it, that's kind of what it reminded me of because. Yeah. He's, like, such a clean-cut looking guy, and then they just put a bunch of, like, disgusting fake tanner on him and put, like, a wig on him that wasn't very good. Right. Um, so you've got this guy, and then you've got <laughs> this lame-ass man named Dougie. Dougie. I, like, that was the most frustrating thing ever, <laughs> watching Dougie Jones navigate the world <laughs> just as, like, this bumbling weirdo. Very frustrating. God. Very, and very frustrating so, to watch. Oh my god, yeah. And it but it kind of was the perfect tool for when um Cooper's kind of in that in that body. It's kind of like the perfect tool because him acting weird, people just pacified it as like that's just Dougie. Like right. him just repeating the word, like just being like coffee. Yeah. Or just being like or like not being able to go to the bathroom. What a what? Yeah. Like just like hold it in and someone just being like, Oh, you have to go, let me take you. And even the women being like, Do you want to make out? It's like it's so weird. So weird. Um, um it's like so is the rule now that in the lodge, they can make as many uh, replicas of a person as they feel necessary. Uh, are or... there rules? Like... <laughs> yeah, like that was because yeah. I understood the whole like doppelganger thing. I understood yeah. that like like like, like got a, there's it, a, like double. There's a good you and there's a bad you, and one's in the lodge, one's here. But now what's yeah. up? What's going on with this shit? Like yeah. So yeah. I was kind of confused about that through the whole thing. But again, like, no rules, probably. Yeah, I guess, like, my understanding of it is, like, bad Cooper got out, good Cooper was stuck in the lodge, and then somehow came out as Dougie Jones. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like. It's so weird. So I guess that would adhere to that rule, but is that even my interpretation even yeah. correct, you know? Who, who the hell knows? <laughs> who the hell knows? Are we supposed to know? <gasps> <laughs> exactly because there's that moment where Dougie's body like goes down into the lodge and um what's his face the man with no arm um says to him like you were made for a purpose and that purpose has been served and then like Dougie just kind of like blows up yeah like, spontaneously combusts yeah like so what I is, don't what know even if is that yeah <laughs> yeah yeah like it happens with Diane too which which also amazing that he decided to make Laura Dern Diane. Oh, I love it. Yeah. She's the best. Yeah. Um, I, I love that we actually got, like, because, you know, we just thought, 
like he named his tape recorder Diane. Right. Like we didn't know. Yeah. Um, and then the fact that she's like a person that he's kind of remote romantically into. Yeah. Was kind of cool. Oh, when like they meet face to face for the first time again, and I. Ugh. Wish I could remember mm-hmm. exactly what she says. She just says, like, fuck you or something. Like, beautiful moment. That's her line. Yeah. Beautiful yeah. moment. Is that the line? I hope that's the line. If it's wrong, I'm sorry. <laughs> I think it's, I think it is because that's, yeah. like, her thing. Like She, she curses him in says, some way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, because she even, she, she, she's always saying, like, fuck you, Gordon. Yeah. Or like, fuck you, um, Albert. And then she even, like, turns to Tammy and is like, what was your name again? she's like, Tammy? She's like, fuck you, Tammy. Right. <laughs> so probably. Love it. It probably was fuck you, Cooper, yep. or whatever. We love um, Diane. <laughs> yeah. She's she's honestly a badass. Yep. Um, and then, so also a heartwarming moment was we actually did get tied kind of neatly up in a bow is the um, Norma... And uh, Ned, is that right? Oh, yeah. Ned? Ed, Ed, the Ed, gas station Ed. guy. Yeah, they do end That's up together, right. don't they? I actually forgot yeah, about because that. Yeah. I had too because it's such a small scene. Yeah. But it's actually really, it's actually really sweet because Nadine comes up to, to Ed and this is when her and um, the man with the glasses, I cannot remember anyone's name, um, the man with the crazy glasses who's like, shovel out of the shit. Um <laughs> He's like, so they kind of like team up. They're not not like romantically, but they kind of like team up. And he's like, I'm going to teach you how to shovel yourself out of your shit. And she's like, great, on board. Um, and so she comes up to Ed and is like, um, I, I think I was like trying to give them one of those like mixed names by saying Ned, just like save right. time. Um, <laughs> one of those couple names. <laughs> um, but she like comes up to him and she's like, you're free. I'm shoveling myself out of the shit. And he's just like, what? And she's like, you can go now. (laughs) (laughs) And so he like, it's like this beautiful like music comes on and he's like, he runs to the diner. And this is when Norma was like having conversations with that like business suit um, about like expanding the diner and everything. And it's this like immediately like heart-wrenching moment where he comes up to her and he says, he says, I just talked to Nadine and everything's changed. And and he's like super happy. And she says, she's like, great, but I'm so sorry. Uh, blah, blah, blah is here. And it's like this man in a business suit who comes in and they go and sit in a booth. And he says to her, like, did you get the flowers I sent you? And then you see Ed just plop down on the stool and and the waitress or I, yeah, the waitress is like, coffee and he's like yeah and a cyanide tablet (laughs) and and it's like this crazy moment and then it pans over to norma and she's basically telling the guy like like you're gonna buy all of my shares i have family like to take care of like you're gonna buy all of my shares i don't want to you know be a part of this anymore and then the guy's like you're gonna regret this and leaves she goes up to ed and they start kissing and he's like will you marry me and she's like crying she says yes and i'm just like oh my god Right. There is our uh, soap <laughs> opera so callback. Sweet. Yes, exactly. It's, yeah. it's so perfect. Like, and then we've got fucking... 
going over to our other genre that's happening, our I Love Lucy. We've got Lucy and Andy, and they're fucking weird-ass yeah. played by Michael Sarah yeah. named Wally. And he he's... What is that? No clue. I guess they were just trying to keep those two just as silly as possible. They're like, Wally's here, and it's like fucking Michael Sarah in a stupid hat. And he's just like... <laughs> Oh my god, I can't even I can't even imitate him and I won't. Yeah. But it's just so it's just so fucking weird. Yeah. Um But yeah, so so we've got we've got even more um fantasy elements in this. Like we've gotten we've got two images of someone like taking their face off and we see like some craziness going on inside, like the galaxy or something. Yeah. Um it happens with Laura, and then it also happens with motherfucking Sarah Palmer. Yeah. That scene at the bar where that man is, like, kind of heckling her, and she's, like, kind of just trying to have her drink, and she goes, I will eat you. And he's like, oh, I'd like to see you try, blah, blah, blah. and she just takes her whole fucking face off. And shows him probably just, like, his worst nightmare. It's just, like, ambiguous terror. And then fucking kills him. Chops his head off. And then she starts screaming. And then everyone's like, what happened? She's like, I was just trying to have a drink. (laughs) (laughs) So good. So confusing. But I feel like it brings a point home as well. Like... Like, maybe... Like, don't fuck with us. Yeah. Like, maybe in this version of Twin Peaks, we're going to get more justice for women. <laughs> maybe. Yeah. 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 And she... God, that actress does such a good job in, in the reboot. Yeah. Yeah. Like, an insanely good job. Like, she... Her in, like, the gas station or whatever, where she has, like, a weird fit, and she, like... Oh my, I just, I, I'm kind of floored by her performance in this. It's just, you know, crazy, crazy chain smoking, uh, whiskey drinking lady is just pretty amazing to witness. It's a favorite for sure. Okay. So, so going, going off of that and, and also talking about like David Lynch being, um, being allowed more CGI and, and other effects than he was before. Can we fucking talk about episode Eight, oh. the part that be- that oh begins God. with the Nine Inch Nails performance. That is my favorite episode from the reboot and just the most insane thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> it's incredible. Like, it's... I it, it probably ties Fire Walk with me for me, if not exceeds it. Like, he literally just no... No fucks given was just like, here we go. You want to see what I can do? Here it is. Yeah, that it was scary. Honestly, that was a very scary episode. <laughs> yes. Well, it, I mean, it was just like, because each episode ends with like a musical um, performance from whatever band or or solo artist David Lynch likes. It seems you yeah. know, like one of his people he's fans of. Um, so you're kind of thinking when you're watching it, if you don't know, you know, how long you've been watching, you kind of think like, oh, this is the end of the episode because it's a musical performance. And then, oh, are you wrong? 
oh, are you wrong? Like, it just goes into the coolest fucking sequence I've probably ever seen. Like, I'm still kind of in awe thinking about it. Um, Topher has not seen it, and I can't wait for him to see it because it's just incredible. Um, So, basically, the reboot kind of follows, like, what's going on with Cooper. Like, they're trying to find him. Um... They think they think they have him because he's gone to jail. Yeah. Um, and then and then they all talk to him and they're like, that's that's not him. Yep. And they're like, some weird shit is going on. And he escapes jail. Bad Cooper does. And is kind of like on the run and just like, you know, mixed up in the bad, the bad things, I guess. Um, and what I think and what I think it does so well is kind of sticks to the same formula as the first Twin Peaks where we've got so many characters that were very that are connected in some way, but not quite like we've got all of these um, different walks of life type people that we just kind of get a, a little bit about. Yeah. And then we move on, which I guess leads me to the question of like. What makes a successful reboot or remake, in your opinion? I've honestly, I've never thought about it. I guess I would have to agree with your theory that it um, needs to build and connect, but also do something different. Like, it can't be completely different, but we need to go further, either into the themes of the original thing or branch off in a different direction but that still connects back to the original direction or at least character wise and it needs to it needs to do something for the audience too for the original fans there has to be some incentive to watch it and enjoy it totally and i mean it's like yeah you you've gotta you've gotta give something to the fans that you know put you on the map in the first place sort of thing like the reason why you're even able to do this remake and then but like you also we were relating it to like covers of songs like it can't it can't be karaoke yeah you know it can't just be like retelling the exact same no, thing yeah, that would you've got to put your flavor that on that would it. be completely pointless and I'd say probably my favorite reboots which I'm going to go ahead and give my opinion of this one, probably one of my yeah. favorite reboots. For that reason, it it's completely different, but also the same, and it just drives home some of the original themes that left us super confused. It made us more confused, but it, like, yeah. built on them, too. Yeah, totally. I think it was, it was kind of, like, it, it's now become one of my favorites, too, because it just was kind of one of those perfect continuations and I don't think like you knew what you were getting yourself into because you were a fan of like you know the original so it's kind of that whole like chaos reigns has kind of probably washed over you at least at this point so you kind of could sit back and enjoy the chaos in this one I kind of feel like definitely because you've been you've been primed a little bit but then David Lynch took that priming and kind of just upped it a notch by just completely doing the most again I would say so Um, many notches the chaos is very real with this one yes like I mean even just like jumping ahead to when Diane and Cooper are finally um are finally back like you know together they they have sex in that hotel 
and he wakes up, finds a letter that's not really addressed to him, but it could apply to his circumstance. It says, like, Richard, um, you're not who I thought you were, something like that. Like, I had to go goodbye forever or yeah. something. And then it's, like, signed Linda. Yeah. And he's, like, sitting there, like, and and, and he leaves, and he's in a different place. Like, he's not in um, Twin Peaks anymore. Like, he's there are palm trees. Right. Um, and he he drives and and there's been this connecting thread of like we'll meet at Judy's or we'll find Judy or something. And he drives by this diner called Judy's. So he goes in and um, he asks the waitress, is there any other waitress that um, works here? And she's like, yeah, it's her day off. Actually, it's like her third day in a row off. And. And this is where I think you're absolutely right with um, kind of Lynch getting at like like um, women are getting some sort of justice in this one where Cooper, where like those guys in the booth are kind of messing with her and they're like, come here, come here. And she's like screaming, stop. Um, and then Cooper like says like, hey, leave her alone. And they come over and they're like, get out of that booth. And they like pull a gun on him. And then he like shoots them in the foot and like disarms them and deep fries their guns. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, God. And like, and then she writes down the the address of the other um, waitress. And we he goes to, to that door. And it turns out it's Cheryl Lee right. playing, we don't know, you know, we don't know who. And this leads to him saying, like, will you come with me to Twin Peaks? Um, I think you are, as weird as it sounds, I think you're a girl named Laura Palmer. Yeah. And she's like, she's like, I don't know what the hell you're talking about, but I just killed someone in my living room. So I need to come. I need to get out of Dodge. <laughs> so, so good, honestly. So good. And, and Cooper's just completely, like, unfazed at this point. Yeah. He just, like, sees it and he's like, okay, like... Uh, that's not my priority right now and they get there and that's when she knocks on the door or they knock on the door and the woman's like I don't I don't know a Sarah Palmer we bought this house from you know someone else and this is when Cooper is just like what year is it and we get like the scream and it's over yeah so he does such a great job of just like you know bringing the chaos reigns theme up a notch yeah or six i think one thing about a reboot that i have a pretty strong opinion on is that it can't be a complete uh fan pleaser they have to um incorporate elements like i said from the original and give us some things we want but it can't be just everything we want I don't yeah. think that's right. I don't think that makes a good reboot at all. I think it's kind of a cop-out, and they're just trying to, like, make people happy at that point. And I think David Lynch has done a really, really good job of giving us a few little things here and there, and then also frustrating us as well. Like, with the ending yeah. of her screaming, or um, one thing that I actually comes to mind there is our girl Audrey. Mm-hmm. Poor Audrey, like they did her wrong like at the very end of the original twin peaks um we see audrey in an explosion at the bank and we don't know her fate super frustrating everyone loves audrey she's our girl and then in this reboot she has this like she wants well she has like this (laughs) but then she doesn't abusive son and like she's they say that his her son is like the son of her being raped by evil cooper 
Oh. Yeah. And, like, poor thing. And I guess she's apparently gone kind of crazy. And, yeah. Yeah. Our poor Audrey. Seriously. Because, yeah, in in the original, she's such... She's such a force, and we think that she's really going to turn into turn into something. And because we've got like Donna is kind of is a little I don't know she's a little bit of a Pollyanna, yeah, everyone a little hates bit mousy. Donna, yeah. Donna's I mean it's partially uh, what's her face's name who played her in the original oh, Lara Flynn. Laura Boyle. Flynn, yeah. That crazy bitch. Um, <laughs> it's partially it's partially her fault because everyone knows that she's completely just a ridiculous person. Yeah. Um. But but also like, yeah. Donna was just like, there was even okay. People hated Donna to the extent where they were like, I think Donna killed Laura. <laughs> <laughs> oh my like there God. was a fan theory yeah. about that. And of course, it's Twin Peaks. It's one of those things like you can come up with a theory and then find at least like three things to justify it, just because it's all over the place. Totally. Um, like people were justifying it um, through like uh, apparently Audrey, when Audrey's kind of like you know trying to get hired at One Eye Jackson is kind of like going into the whole like undercover like I'm gonna do what Laura did and see what her life was like sort of thing. Um, um, Donna kind of says like, okay, but whatever you find out, it stays between us. And like Donna's being like super secretive and it's very just like, don't tell the cops. Or she's like, James, she says to like James, like, no, we shouldn't go to the cops. We're not going to the cops. So everyone was kind of like, what if Donna did it? Right. <laughs> Basically, fuck Donna. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Everyone, everyone hated Donna. But yeah, we all thought that Audrey was going to was going to come out on top in some way. Right. Like, I I think if if he was going for a fan pleaser, we would have had Audrey not living in Twin Peaks. We would we would have had Audrey, like, being, I don't know, um, either, uh, I don't know, being, like, Doing a successful actress yeah. in L.A. and is visiting Twin Peaks for some random reason, yeah. you know? Like, and, like, we see her as glamorous. Right. I think it was fan pleasing that they did give us... Um, not maybe even exactly what happened to her, but they, they brought her back and gave her some sort of story. That was fan-pleasing. But is, is this what we yeah. wanted for Audrey? No. Her having this abusive son. What was his name? Richard or something? He was just a complete jerk. And the yeah. theory is that she was raped by evil Cooper. And that is the product of that. And Ugh. that she's gone kind of crazy. Um, but then there's so also this other theory that I remember that none of that was actually real and that Audrey was in a coma after that bank explosion at the end of the first series and none of that storyline is real. But I don't know if I go yeah. on with that. Just a theory from somebody else. <laughs> there's so many there's so many theories that people, you know, and I think that that is kind of like what is long live Twin Peaks yeah. is that... It's, it's such a conversation piece, no matter how you look at because it. Because he doesn't give us answers. That brings me back to that. And I think that's yeah. the longevity of it is that he doesn't give us answers. And there's so many things that are open-ended and really confusing. Like, I don't know why I want to go back to episode eight just because it's so awesome. Mm-hmm. But like those yeah, men, please. <laughs> those men who are like, they call them the woods men. They're like burnt men, pretty much. They're like painted gray oh, yeah. or something and they're just so unsettling so terrifying and we don't know why <laughs> um yes so and they just 
they just like walk around and say like got a um, light something like, got a yeah. light um and then they start killing yeah. people and then they start reciting this poem over the airwaves that is oh, um god hold on i made a note of it just because it's such an awesome little weird poem um this is the water and this is the well drink full and descend the horse is the white of the eyes and dark within holy yeah. shit that is so scary and so ominous and what does and- it mean <laughs> Yeah, and even, like, the gruffness of their voice. It, it sounds like he did some sort of, like, audio distortion with their voice yeah. because it just – it doesn't sound human to it's me. So it sounds – Yeah, it sounds like a it, – it's a very, like, gruff voice, but it doesn't sound like a natural gruff human's voice. Like, yeah. it's, it's like, a distorted thing. And, yeah, that thing that they recite is completely ominous and also somehow on theme because um, – Something that we haven't even really touched on is the is the random white horse that always shows up in um like I think it showed up I think it showed up like twice in the first yeah. season. One was when um Maddie was getting killed yeah. by Leland slash Bob, which we didn't even talk about Maddie. That's another kind of like doppelganger <laughs> situation. Because totally. it's literally played by Cheryl Lee in a brown wig. Right. Um so so them relating like a horse back to that and then when cooper shows up at i don't remember the character's name she says something page when he shows up at um the house of the woman um who he thinks is laura palmer on her mantle is a statue of a white horse and the camera like stays on it for a minute and cooper kind of like contemplates it yeah um i, I don't so think i understand that the white horse as a i don't symbol. either i mean traditionally a white horse is symbolism for heroin but that doesn't really make any sense um well some people thought that it was that they were saying that like sarah palmer that was her drug of choice yeah, that, or that she was drugged by leland when he was trying to kill maddie and that's why she saw the white horse but i right. but i don't really know how that relates to it overall as a theme in twin peaks that doesn't really make a ton of sense it makes sense in that scenario but i don't really understand how it connects back to that yeah. or like how it even connects to that weird little poem like i don't think i understand the horse line in that at all i think the rest of it makes like a little bit of uh sense maybe maybe a little bit of sense to me but i don't know the horse is a it could also symbol. just be could also just be like david lynch nonsense right who knows? like i think it kind of um, points to us being the evil ourselves like the horse is the white of the eyes or something and dark within Mm-hmm. And like this is the water this is the well drink full and descend like you're descending into your own darkness you are the water you are the well descend into your own darkness pretty much yeah yeah that that makes sense to me and it's just like like you said it's so ominous and just like completely creepy yeah. and scary <laughs> like, like that that was horrifying that's like the one thing that sticks with me the most from the reboot is that scene yeah, yeah same and then same and then there's the little girl like oh my god yeah and, and she like eats that weird like frog moth thing yes and i'm like so something that's interesting to me about the reboot that i didn't really notice too 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 much like a little bit in the original but they really um hammered at home that maybe all of this had something to do with like electricity yeah like it really was harping on like there uh 
short-circuiting and, like, just electricity in general. Yeah, there was a lot of electricity in the reboot. That was a really weird part of it. Yeah, it was, like, almost trying to explain things, but not really, because it, it, like, so it kind of begs the question of, like, what, what established this kind of, like, underworld. Yeah. Which we, which often, we, we always... Humans like to talk about that, too, because we have, like, Greek mythology. Like, we go from, um, so we've got, like, the underworld, and then we have this nice moment between Cooper and Laura when they do the big black and white, like, flashback to her getting on the motorcycle with James and um, getting off of it, and then Cooper finds her in the woods, and they kind of have this, like, Orpheus and Eurydice moment um, where he's leading her out of... Um, I guess you could consider it the underworld, but then he turns back and she's gone. So you kind of also have this like Greek mythology like reference. And we've always kind of had it with like the lodges being the like underworld or being like the black lodge being the shadow of the white lodge and like all of this, you know, there's there's this big like dichotomy um, that he's always been kind of like hinting at. And that's also what I loved about the reboot is that um, he just dug even deeper like, into, like, the Greek mythology and into, um, I don't know, he was, like, somewhat trying to explain it, but, of course, did not fully. And then, like, at the end, we we haven't even really talked about the huge moment where, like, um, Bad Cooper is there. And uh, so, so Cooper, who's kind of in the role of Dougie at the moment, sees... Oh, God, what's the show that Gordon Cole's name even comes from? Because it's on the TV. Oh, God. I don't remember that I, for, I forget. I forget. Yeah. I, it's not something that I'm, like, super familiar with. But he sees on the TV, it's like, someone says, like, get Gordon Cole. Mm-hmm. And this is what, like, snaps him back kind of, like, into consciousness a little bit. He's like, oh, my God, I remember who I am now. Right. And he this is this is kind of like the start of like cooper's starting to come back yeah and so we're in the the sheriff's office and uh we have bad cooper and good cooper calls uh sheriff truman while bad cooper's sitting in front of him and he's like i'm almost there i'm i'm i've just entered uh twin Peaks city limits and he arrives and like lucy ends up killing bad cooper yeah which i kind of love like, yes, give our girl Lucy like, something to do. <laughs> right, right. Homegirl doesn't even understand how cell phones work. Uh-huh. She's having issues. She's screaming. <laughs> she's like, she's poor Lucy, yeah. pretty much. But then there's this awesome moment where he pulls the gun on Sheriff Truman. Sheriff Truman pulls the gun on him. He shoots the gun. Sheriff Truman's hat like kind of lifts, like the like the bullet goes under the hat or something. It's weird. Um, and then we hear another gunshot, and it's he falls down, and we see Lucy yeah. just like with the gun like behind him, and she's the one who like ends up killing him, even when um, Audrey's. I think it's or no, it's it's the. Tons of people try to kill Bad Cooper before he actually dies. For sure. So it's kind of great that it ends up being Lucy. Yeah. Like, I love that for her. Yep. <laughs> um, it's like a special kind of vengeance in a way. Definitely. Um, but then we get this crazy CGI-filled scene of, like, Bob kind of in, like, a gaseous bubble. Yeah. Like, what is that? It reminds me of that Disney Channel original movie, like, Sister from Planet Weird. Love that movie. Do you remember great that reference. one? Oh, yeah, great reference. Yeah, like, where she's just, like, a bubble of gas yeah. or whatever. That's what it reminds me of, because it's just his face kind of in this, like, bubble. 
Yeah. I I it's don't weird. understand that part like at all. <laughs> Honestly, David I don't Lynch, I don't either. <laughs> and then he's finally defeated by someone who was like in the prison? Yeah. It's I yeah, it's just like one of those things where you're like Okay. Yeah, I feel like that's one of those things like, you could try to analyze forever <laughs> and you're just never even really going to understand it or have a solid answer for that one. Yeah, totally. Totally. I mean, I think that is just like a Lynchian thing. That's got to be in like film school or will eventually. Oh, it's just sure. like a whole chapter on like Lynchian nuances yeah. or something. But yeah, it's Twin Peaks as a whole is just very is such an enigma and then you've got enigmas in within the enigma and it's just like that's kind of like the point absolutely and it's it's just like it's completely insane um Topher's laughing at me (laughs) I don't exist you do exist I feel like there's so much to talk about in the reboot that I even have a hard time like staying on one track you know I know and I'm like yeah, and I don't, I don't think anybody necessarily wants a happy ending from Lynch. No. I don't think that they expect it anymore, and I don't think that they even really want it because I think that probably would have been even, like, the opposite of, like, a fan pleaser. Yeah, for sure. I, yeah, I don't think that his fans would even have responded to that at all they would just be like what is this it's not even related to twin peaks if they gave us like happy endings or anything like that yeah because like say if we just like got good cooper back and that was all that happened yeah how boring would that be yeah because it's all um we're all just like masochists who crave chaos at this point like you know if, definitely if you, and it serves that purpose it goes beyond serving that purpose yeah and it's like that's what you take on as being like a david lynch fan is like you are a masochist who craves chaos like yikes but hey it's whatever it's it's not our real lives it's it's what we escape to so it's totally fine yeah absolutely we like want to be disgusted and unsettled oh my god and also god We've got all of those. We've got that, like, tiny side plot of, like, Hawk and Log Lady, who makes me so sad in this reboot. Yeah. Poor Log Lady. She was old, yeah. And she passed. Like, I think so, an episode is, is dedicated to her because she passed. She did. Oh, my. It's so sad, especially her, like, knowing that she legitimately, like, like she was sick while recording it, while filming it. Um, and so her last phone call to Hawk saying, like, I'm dying. I'm dying. Yeah. I just was, like, I took that way too hard because I was, like, she is literally dying. Like, the actor right. is dying. And yeah. her character is very clearly dying as well. And she's just trying to get this. She's been she's been kind of, like, adjacent to, like, detective work for, like, the whole thing because she says that, like, her log has some sort of um, clairvoyant, like, properties or something. And, yeah. oh, my God. Like, she made her and Sarah Palmer, until Sarah Palmer did that awesome thing in the bar, like, they both made me very sad in, yeah. in the reboot. They're not – they were not doing yeah. well. I w- it was kind of heartwarming to see that her and Hawk maintained a relationship because they both did have kind of this like metaphysical like quality about them, like seemed to like know things that other people didn't. And it was cute. It was heartwarming for sure. Yeah. But then she made me sad herself. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. It just made me, it just made me so sad, but she does such a wonderful job. I mean, everyone does such a great job in this and 
I think I think something that is very um, trademark Lynch is kind of he he chooses he either he either directs his actors this way or he very selectively chooses his actors based on um, how they deliver these lines because he really enjoys those um, very like monotone um, kind of like you're not like not saying it with feeling sort of like yeah. actors and I think that that serves a purpose I think that that is on purpose and I think that he it it, it gives every single scene this sort of like unsettling like why are they talking like this sort of vibe definitely. and it also plays into yeah. the soap opera vibe too definitely and then every now and then there will be these weird little lines that don't even make sense yeah they're just complete non sequiturs mm-hmm and I think that helps that too, the fact that they're delivered in that tone. <laughs> yeah, like we're we're just we're already in a completely different world. Um, and I think so. I guess I guess the next thing that I kind of wanted to talk about is like some some examples of Lynch's uh, nuances already kind of being used um, today. Like, did you see WandaVision? Did you watch that yet? No. So I would say, I would definitely say that WandaVision took a little bit of like Lynch um, theory because they're kind of, it it kind of had, not to like spoil anything for anyone out there or you, but it kind of, it really plays with time and what world are we in? And it goes through um, like different decades and uh, black and white. And it kind of has, it definitely has like this Lynch vibe. it's obviously a little more like tied up, tied up into a bow and it is Marvel and Disney and all of that. But I would say it's like Disneyfied Lynch in a way. It's weird. You yeah, should, you should definitely, you should definitely check it out. It's, it's pretty good. I, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, but yeah, I think that, I think that in the future we might get some really cool um, kind of Lynchian directors. And I, I'm really looking forward to that personally. Um, Definitely. Because, again, I think that we should continue to push limits, especially in um, the horror genre. I don't think that this was a genre that was made to stay inside of a box. Um, I, I think that that would just be doing the whole the whole idea of horror a disservice if we just kind of stayed in this, like, very safe space. Yeah. Well, I, I feel like it's already started a little, and I wish I could find think of some examples right now I should have like jotted them down but like more modern horror movies are starting to climb out of that box a little bit more yeah and I I wish I could think of any examples if you can think of any help me out but I just like can't (laughs) yeah like Nicholas Winding Refn who did Neon Demon yeah yeah and I think that was a great movie by the way yeah that one that one I do I do need to I do need to see but I've I've heard that I've heard that it's very that it's very Lynchian um and that he is. And I, yeah, I want to, I, I want to see more. I, I don't really want Twin Peaks to come back again. I think we're done. Right. Um, yeah. I think that. And I do think. Yeah. David Lynch has such a unique touch and he has like, like you can just tell immediately when you're watching something that it is David Lynch mm-hmm. and it's, you can't imitate it at all. But I think his influence will continue forever. And I would like to see more things that are influenced by him. Sometimes I think people are a little scared. I think so. To take things from his bag. Yeah, I think so because he he has some like 
this is why I call like I call Dolly Parton a savant because I just don't even understand her talent. I can't. <laughs> I can't. Yeah. I, I just I kind of have to just leave it like throw it up in the air and say, yeah, it's just like some weird ethereal thing. And that's kind of how I feel about him. Like he kind of yeah. it's almost like he throws a whole like like three cans of paint at a at a canvas and it's all of a sudden like a million dollar painting like it's it's just yeah. he just kind of throws he a throws caution to the wind and then he just throws his ideas at a wall and it's like it becomes some sort of you know masterpiece that either people are talking about in a positive way or talking about in a negative way but they're still talking about it definitely um Yeah, I keep using this word unsettling, but I feel like David Lynch is the most successful person who creates that unsettling atmosphere. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't think anybody else has ever done the job as well as he has. Um, Like, some things that he does just make me sick to my stomach, and I haven't felt that a lot when viewing media. Yeah, agreed. Like, I can be like, oh, that's gross, or oh, that's scary, but that just unset deeply unsettled and destabilized from reality and like you you feel like you're actually in a fever dream yeah i don't think anyone else has ever done that as well and like twin peaks the return was just i mean twin peaks as a whole was a fever dream like straight up but the return was just left and right you're just being hit with these unsettling crazy images yeah yeah. And I think the worst, I think like the worst version of um, Unsettling is like that movie, The Room. Like, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like that one is like the actors are kind of doing what I'm talking about, like with um, Lynch's style of acting. Um, except for he has some very genuine and, and amazing actors to kind of anchor it. Like I like um, Kyle McLaughlin is a wonderful actor, very very talented. Yeah. And so you've got you've got a bunch of people to kind of like anchor you, but you've got all of these random side characters who just speak in the most unsettling way, like just very stark and with no feeling whatsoever. And that's kind of like, that's kind of how The Room came out. So it's almost like if you tried to do something lynchy and it could turn out to be kind of like The Room, which you don't want. Right. That one is like so bad that it's funny. Um, so I think I think that's also why people are a little bit scared is because it could literally just, it could not land. Like that's... Definitely. It, I honestly couldn't imagine anybody else... Um, literally having a dancing midget that speaks backwards and it working yeah that's also the cool thing that he did was um record the actors saying it backwards and then replaying it forwards like that's yeah that's one of such a great idea yeah and that's that's something that i do think was probably pretty revolutionary for like the time i don't yeah like 1990 yeah 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 and god it's just i i'm I was floored when I watched it. I, I guess I didn't even really talk about my um, first impressions of Twin Peaks, but I knew I knew who Laura Palmer was when I went into watching the first um, series, and I knew like the gist of it, and I had seen David Lynch's work before, so I kind like I kind of knew what I was getting myself into. But how can you really prepare for that? Um, I. And I just remember being like, whoa, this is like a very awkward and quirky and unsettling soap opera. Yeah, that's really the best way to describe it. And that... And like a surreal fever dream. Yeah. And that's like what kept me kind of hooked. Um, 
because I, so what's funny is that I knew, um, I knew Kyle McLaughlin from Sex and the City first. He plays like one of. I didn't even know he was in. That. Oh my god! So he plays one of Charlotte's husbands. She gets married. Oh my she god. gets married like twice, and I did not even know. Oh, and that's hilarious. Like I knew him from Dune. Oh yeah, which is like very nerdy. Yes, <laughs> yes. And like, okay, so in in uh, Sex and the City, he plays one of Charlotte's husbands. She gets married twice in the series, and he's her first husband and he's such he's a rich scottish mama's boy and um he has erectile dysfunction and that's why they end up getting a divorce is because he can't get it up so i'm like so when I started watching Twin Peaks, I could not stop thinking about like, oh, that's Trey from Sex and the City, the guy with erectile dysfunction. Uh, <laughs> like, that's so funny. Was in like um, a season. And then I was struggling to think of any other actors that are like major actors that are actually in Twin Peaks, the original, but there's not really. Miguel Ferrer? Mm-hmm. Who does who does Miguel Ferrer play? Albert, he's George Clooney's cousin. Wait, Albert is George Clooney's cousin? Yeah. Topher just told See, me I that. I didn't even know that. I, I didn't know that either. So it was Mary Clooney's son. Yeah. That's crazy. Wow. It's, I mean. Um, David Duchovny. Oh, that's true. We have him as Denise. That was awesome. Actually, I love David Duchovny. So. Yeah, we watched him in something something recently, another horror film. What was that? Craft. Oh, yeah. He's in The Craft Legacy, He's in which we covered earlier oh, nice. this month. Yeah. Haven't seen it yet, but I'll check it it's out. It's cute. You should definitely watch it. Um, but yeah, the, like the original Twin Peaks didn't have that many like big actors, and then we had a couple coming into the return, mm-hmm. which was like really Amanda fun. Seyfried, yeah. Laura Dern. Mm-hmm. I guess I mean David Lynch himself was in Twin Peaks, but like he's not he's like a big name, but he's not an actor. I think that might be the only role he ever actually played himself, which I love if him I'm not in. Wrong. Yeah, I love. I find him adorable. Yeah, I love that he's just like hard of hearing and he just like has to he's yelling everything and I love the I love the touch of when like the only time that he can hear this is just like another weird thing is when like Shelly comes and brings him pie and he's like I can hear again (laughs) I'm just like right I'm just like you're so ridiculous but no I right and like I love him screaming is another thing that like kind of makes you feel weird like why is this character suddenly screaming (laughs) totally totally (laughs) it's that it's just everything in Twin Peaks' purpose is to make you feel weird. Yes, and it's that <laughs> it's that perfect, like, you're kind of laughing but crying at the same time. Like, you're like, what's going on? But you're also like, that's funny. Like, it, it's yeah. that, it's, you don't know what you're feeling, like, most of the time. And it's it's almost like this weird emotional manipulation that you're totally signing up for and you're totally fine with. Like, it's just, Absolutely. It's, com- it's completely psychological horror, which I don't, I don't really use that term that often, but I, it's an overused term. Yeah, a lot of people like to throw things in that bin, kind of. And I, yeah, I, I kind of hate when people refer to something as like a psychological thriller. Yeah, I'm like what? <laughs> yeah, I overuse exactly. And I think I think it's kind of a cop out most of the time with with yeah. movies when people just kind of throw it over there. I'm just like, you just didn't know what else to call it. Like you, right. yeah, it, it's just undefinable or something. But yeah, okay, I think we're going to wrap it up here in just a second. But do you have any other final thoughts, anything that we, like, didn't get to just because it's, you know, Twin Peaks and, right. you know? <laughs> not 
that I can think of off the top of my head because I feel like if I start going in one direction I'll go too far so nothing on the top of my head honestly I feel like we did a pretty good job it's the return is so crazy it's so hard to even talk about it because it's so crazy Mm -hmm. and that's why it's good (laughs) yeah yeah it's almost like you your brain just turns to mush whenever you talk about it it's kind of I feel like I'm I feel like my brain is going in about five different directions at the moment just because of that um but yeah so I mean oh I guess the final question that I can ask is do you think that um this reboot is a successful one I'd say yes, definitely. And it is probably one of my favorite things that have been redone because I I remember when I heard that they were redoing Twin or like making a reboot of Twin Peaks, I was like, what in the world are they even going to do? Yeah. And I feel like I was kind of blown away with what he actually ended up doing because I think he did all the things that I would like for in a reboot, like we talked about earlier with like callbacks to the original characters, but introducing new characters and new storylines, call back to the original themes, but delving so much deeper into those themes and really driving them home. Yeah. Um, and that it wasn't just a pure love letter to fans. He gave us those little moments. He gave us those things that we wanted. He gave us cute moments, like with Norma and Ed, and then he gave us some answers when it came to Audrey, and he gave us Lucy and Andy and... We got answers for what happened to Cooper after, but it it also frustrated us a lot. Yeah. Too, which I like that he did that because it, he, it wouldn't be a David Lynch pro- project if it wasn't really frustrating and hard to watch sometimes and confusing and leave us with more answers, more questions than answers, sorry. 100%. So yes, I would, I would say it is, definitely. Yeah, 100%. I think that... Whenever you hear that something, uh, one of your favorite things in the world is, you know, being remade, it kind of, I always kind of get like a, I get excited, but then I also kind of get like a weird feeling in my, in my stomach of like, oh God, what if it's like bad? Like it it would, it would never ruin what I had with the original, but you know, it just, it still, it still would just not meet the expectations that we all just automatically kind of have after watching something and I I my expectations were exceeded I don't know what my expectations were but I just know that they were exceeded by I didn't have any expectations and I don't think we were supposed to which was good yeah probably shouldn't with David Lynch um totally because you just never know you you set yourself up for like failure if you have concrete expectations especially of something like that but yeah, I, I would agree with you. I 100% think that it's probably one of the most successful um, remake, reboots, redux, like whatever you want to call it. I guess we should call this a reboot because um, it's called The Return. Yeah. But um, I think this is probably one of the most successful ones for exactly everything that you said by giving the fans um, part of what they want, but also you know, showing us kind of Audrey being in possibly a psych ward. Like, we don't know. <laughs> yeah. Like, shit like that. Yeah, and he stayed true to himself as a director. Yeah. Which is really important. I don't think he wouldn't ever. Yeah, so. he doesn't seem like a sellout kind of guy, but I think that would have been, that probably would have been more shocking than anything, is if he... Yeah, I, I do think people were worried that it was going to be a little bit more of, like, the end of season two. Yeah. Not the last episode, but, like, the, you know, all those ones that weren't directed by him. Mm-hmm. I think people were worried that it was going to be more of that and just 
non sequitur, confusing, what is he doing weirdness, which it was that, but in his own way that made, I don't want to say it made sense because it didn't make sense at all, but you know what I mean. Yeah, absolutely. It's, he stayed true to himself. Absolutely. He didn't, it didn't Disneyfy. It didn't become like mainstream. It, it very much so stuck with the, what the fuck is this? Of right, it got weirder. It was significantly weirder. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he really <laughs> leaned in. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much to my amazing sister for coming on and talking about one of her favorite things, sharing her opinions and and all of those things. I am very grateful to you for coming on. I've wanted to do this episode with you literally since the inception of this podcast, so I'm just super excited. Um, and yeah, let us know like where, where can we find you? She's an awesome hair, hairdresser in Asheville. Where can the people find you on like the internets? Yeah. My Instagram handle for that is hood.does.hair. That's me. Awesome. And again, if you guys like, even if you don't live in Asheville and can't, um, can't take advantage of her amazing services, just follow her for some hair inspo. Like she does such a great job, especially with like creative color and all of that. She's amazing. And uh, you guys know where to find us. We are at Horror Babes Podcast on Instagram. We're at Horror Babes Pod on Twitter. And we are always at horrorbabespod.com for the website. Um, until next time. Bye, babes. Yeah, babe. Yeah, babe.